and welcome to the Violin Class Podcast, which is a podcast for people who are learning the violin as an adult. My name is Julia, and I'm a violinist and violin teacher, and I'm here to share my tips and experience to hopefully make learning the instrument a little easier. And that is right. I am alive and well and back with uh, some new episodes for you guys. Uh, I took the summer off in case you were wondering uh, had I disappeared or not. I wish I could say I was hard at work on uh, writing new episodes, but I was not. I was busy with life stuff and took some time off, but I'm back now and have a lot of uh, cool new episodes coming that I have just started working on. Uh, today's is something short and sweet and is about five mistakes that you are probably making when you are practicing the violin. I think these will be helpful for you uh, no matter where you're at in your violin learning experience, beginners and advanced all make these kind of mistakes on a daily basis. So I hope that this is helpful for you couple of little updates on this little podcast here uh, while I have you guys. We have a lot of new listeners. I've been looking at the stats uh, this week and a lot of new people have started downloading things. So if this is your first time joining me as I post new episodes, uh, thank you for clicking on this podcast. I'm happy to have you listening. Um a little bit of background. I'm, as I said earlier, I'm a violin teacher, and this is a podcast that I started with my own students in mind. Things that I've observed in my practice and with and within my own studio that I think everyone could benefit from hearing. So when I write and record these episodes, I actually do send them to my students, and I think some of them do listen. Hello, if you're one of them. And I just thought I would make this public as well because I think it could help other people. I also wanted to mention that I am a violin teacher that specializes in working with adult amateur players of all levels. So if you are thinking about starting violin lessons and you think that we could be a good fit, I'd be happy to hear from you. You can write to me at violinclasspod at gmail.com or through my website, juliareddy.com. Speaking of websites, that is another uh, project that I am working on for this uh, podcast. So that should be out in a little bit. And um, I'll also be putting together a newsletter. And as far as uh, scheduling goes, I'm going to try to stick to two episodes a month. I know that doesn't sound like a lot for those of you that listen to podcasts. A lot of channels post every single day, but uh, I am just a one-woman show here, just a gal with a microphone, and I do this in my spare time. So uh, two episodes a month is actually just about uh, as much as I can handle with the editing and everything. So uh, thank you for bearing with me and sticking with me through my months away. I'm excited to be back. Oh, and a couple couple little things. My, no, my intros are not usually this long. I just wanted to catch up, catch you guys up with uh, how things have been going here. And also, as I was listening back to this episode, I think I was a little under the weather or something. Uh, my voice is quite scratchy. Apologies if that is not something you're into. Uh, it gets a little bit better after the first 30 seconds or so. So here we go. 
So here are five mistakes that you are possibly making when you're practicing the violin. And again, it doesn't really matter which, uh, what, what level of experience you have. This is something that we all do. And just because you've been playing for a long time doesn't mean that you don't forget these things sometimes. So without further ado, here are five mistakes that you're making when you're practicing the violin. Mistake number one, you are always starting from the beginning of your piece and then just playing on through it. It is so tempting to just, you know, like a book, start from the top, play through. When you hear that you made a mistake, you just stop, fix it, and just, you know, kind of go on along your practice session. But what that often leaves us is with a very strong beginning and a rather weak ending. And basically, as you go on through the piece, it gets weaker. And that's actually, we want, we want to make sure that things end as strongly as they start. So easy fix for this. Make sure that some days you start from the ending. I actually love to start practicing when, you know, in the actually early days of a piece, starting with the very last measure, getting that sounding exactly how I want it, and then go back a measure, play the last two measures now, get that sounding good. Now go back another measure, three, etc. And if you do that for a couple days, you're going to have a strong ending as well as a strong beginning. The second mistake that you might be making is just jumping headfirst into a practice session without precise goals. So, you know, sometimes we do want to do this, want to just kind of play through, see where things are at, take the temperature, if you will, and then we can go back and, you know, set goals and decide what we want to do. But if you do that too often, you'll end up kind of absorbing mistakes and not necessarily being able to play things as well as you can. So my suggestion for that is take a passage that you know is difficult, maybe, you know, the, the peak moment of your piece, so, you know, something tricky, maybe there's a big shift or something, and write down three different goals for that passage. And I, and I mean really, really small, precise goals. So for instance, number one, I want to nail this shift on the third beat of measure four, Number two, I want to make sure that my sound quality, my tone is beautiful in this measure. Number three, I want to make sure that my decrescendo really comes through, that I'm getting a nice contrast. So you see how those goals are very, very precise. Uh, if I had music in front of me, I might circle something, I might highlight something, but I'm making sure that I have something that is measurable and that's not just vague like, oh, play more in tune uh, play louder, something like that. We want to really have uh, the language to be able to to measure whether or not we were successful. So once you have your three goals, how do you know if you've accomplished things is you can actually pull out your phone, record yourself, and just check it off. One, two, three. Did you, were you successful in fixing those, uh, in fixing those issues? And if you were, great. If you're not, come back tomorrow and try again. And either way, you actually should come back the next day and just make sure that things are sticking. So that is mistake number two, kind of just jumping in, playing through your piece and not having precise measurable goals. Number three, one of the mistakes that I am guilty of, I know you are guilty of, is skipping your warm up. So when we skip your warm up, you are kind of missing out on an opportunity to check in with yourself, see how your body is feeling, and just spend a few minutes actually just thinking about 
intonation, thinking about your sound quality and all of those things that you're going to be trying to work on within your piece, but you know, just checking in on it on itself. I remember when I was a student on those days where I just had like a really packed schedule full of rehearsals and, you know, a lot of music that I needed to learn, just a lot of things to do. I would skip my warm up just so that I could, you know, get things learned. And my teacher would tell me that it's on those days that you want to make sure you have the best, longest warm up because otherwise you can hurt yourself, but also you're just going to save time by practicing a scale slowly uh, rather than trying to fix your tuning later on something that's fast. So learn from my mistakes. Make sure you're not skipping your warm up. If it's a busy day or if you're just not feeling it, make it a short one. You know, just do a, a few long tones, play a long, slow scale, and do maybe a little bit of shifting, a little bit of vibrato, and be on your way. But don't skip that warm up, it's very important. Mistake number four that you are making is not tuning your violin. So yes, I do this too. Sometimes we're just so eager to get playing that we skip a really quick but important thing is making sure our actual violin is in tune. Sometimes I'll be working with a student and we've been, I don't know, working on tuning a passage for the past 10 minutes and then I'll be like, wait a second, can you play me your open D string with your open A string? And we play and I'm like, you know, this is actually was not you being out of tune. It was your violin. So I'm trying to be better at remembering to check that my students' violins are in tune, but it's always something that you should be checking at the very beginning of your practice and also right before your violin lessons. If the weather is kind of funky or maybe if you've also, you know, it's really humid out or really cold, or if you have new strings, you might actually need to tune multiple times during a, a practice session, especially if you have new strings, you might have to be tuning two or three times in a practice session. So just keep that in the back of your mind. It's a quick thing to do. Make sure you're always tuning before you start to play. And, and another thing to think about is that Practicing violin starts when you have the violin in your hand, and that includes tuning. So when you are tuning, sometimes it feels like it's not something, you know, that's productive. It's kind of just something that we need to do so that we can then practice. But you're actually working on calibrating your ear, listening for a perfect fifth, which is something that you're going to be doing when you're practicing anyways. You want to make sure that when you're tuning, you're using the best tone possible. You're using long, slow bows, not just kind of rushing through it with fast bows, and that you're really patient with yourself and not move on until you are really happy with what you're hearing. When I'm working with my students and they're kind of new at tuning on their own, they will be surprised with how long it'll take at first, like your first time tuning a violin using the pegs and you using relative intonation rather than tuning each note to the tuner. It can take like, I don't know, can take up to 10 minutes sometimes. And I can tell that they want to just move on. And I try to really slow them down and, and not move on until we're really happy with how each interval sounds because that's going to affect how the rest of your intonation is going to be for the rest of your practice session. So it's really something that's very important. 
And as I mentioned earlier, you want to make sure that when you're tuning, you're using long, slow bows. If you're breaking it up into short, choppy bows, your ear isn't really going to have time to pick up on what the actual intonation is. And make sure, again, that you're using the best tone that you can because your body is learning what you're doing. If you're pulling kind of scratchily or hurriedly, that is going to be something that your fingers are going to learn. So from the get-go, start strong, play in tune, and use beautiful tone. And the last mistake This is the biggest one. If you're my student, you've heard me say this a thousand times. And I also have to tell myself this practically every day, but you are possibly practicing too fast. I remember my first string quartet coaching when I was in university, we had, uh, our, our coach asked us if we had practiced slowly and we said, yes, of, of course, we've been practicing very slowly. Promise, you know, it's, and he was probably trying to figure out why we weren't sounding so good. But yeah, we, we said, yeah, we've been practicing slowly. You know, we put a metronome, all, we've been tuning all those good things. And he said, show me, show me how you practice slowly. And we played something and kind of under tempo, how we thought was slow. And he stopped us right away and he said, okay, when I say slowly, this is what I mean. And he played the passage about four times slower than what we were doing, which is already quite under tempo. And it was kind of painful. Like we had to really, really, really force ourselves. We put a metronome and it was like, took all of our focus just to kind of play this passage um, at the tempo that he wanted. But that always stuck with me that we what, what we think is slow is, you know, maybe a little bit slower than what is written, but we really need to go quite a bit slower. So when I'm learning a new piece or when I'm teaching someone who is learning a new piece, I will oftentimes put a metronome on at 50 and then each note gets four counts. So if let's say it's 16th notes, I'm going to do that same thing. And I'll actually play you what I mean here. So here is just a little passage of Kreutzer Etude Number 2, which is 16th notes if you've played it. Um, here is what it sounds like when you play it in tempo. And if you want to play it really, truly slowly, slow enough that your brain has actual time to process what is going on, that you can pay attention to both the sound, but also how your body is feeling. You want to slow that down by about four times. So this is what it slowly would sound like. That's not really easy listening, is it? It's hard to listen to something that's that painfully slowly. And the reason is that we're not trying to work on the general cohesiveness at this point. We are trying to essentially do the same thing as if you were to put something under a microscope. You're making all of the imperfections more apparent. 
and allowing your ear time to actually hear everything. So to analyze what I just kind of pulled out there, uh, I'm listening for quality and consistency of tone. There is one note near the end that went a little bit scratchy. So that's something I would probably go back and do again if I were practicing this. Um, the other thing is transitioning between the notes, trying to get everything to be smooth and not be jerky. So uh, this is especially true between um, different string levels. So if I'm going between strings, I want to make sure that I'm slowly transitioning the bow and not uh, dropping it or getting any sort of accents. The other thing you'll notice is at that speed, I'm not using vibrato, although I think I did on the first note. Um, the reason for that is it kind of masks things a little bit. I'm not trying to make things pretty yet because I really want to uh, listen for what the bow is doing. Uh, that's not to say you shouldn't use vibrato when you're practicing slowly, but you want to be clear on what you're focusing on. And sometimes you want to use vibrato and sometimes you don't. And remember, the slower you play, the harder things get with violin. It's true for the faster you play as well, but I think that playing truly slowly is more difficult than playing very, very quickly on this instrument because there's just so much that happens in between the notes and you just have to be so relaxed to get everything sounding like you want it. So do yourself a favor, slow down. And the problem with practicing kind of at a medium slow tempo is that we will learn something maybe not quite correctly. We'll convince ourselves that everything is good. You know, we, you know, we did what we were supposed to. Teacher said to play slowly. But what happens then is that you're going to internalize these little mistakes that you're going a little too quickly to actually pick up that you were doing them. And then you're going to have to go back and undo all of those mistakes. So instead of starting at zero, you're now starting at minus five. You have to dig yourself out of that hole and then the learning starts. So if you want to save time later on, make sure you're playing much slower than is comfortable. And it actually will feel meditative if you're doing it right. You just can kind of play at a tempo that's easy and that you're not making any mistakes. That's kind of what I like to say to my students is play slow enough that it feels easy and that you can't possibly make a mistake because it's just so slow. So that is it. Those are my five mistakes that you are making when you are practicing violin. So just to recap, mistake number one is that you are starting from the beginning, playing through, and neglecting your endings. Mistake number two, you're just jumping in and playing through without setting precise goals. Mistake number four, you are skipping your violin warm-up and going right on into your piece. Shame on you if you do that. Just kidding. We all do it. Uh, mistake number four, you're skipping your tuning, or I might add, but tuning, but not super accurately. And mistake number five, really the biggest mistake that we all are guilty of when practicing violin is that you are practicing way too fast. So hold your horses slow down. And thank you for listening. I will be back with a new episode all about the history of why classical violinists don't improvise in two weeks. This is possibly the fa my favorite episode that I have written so far. So I'm excited to share that with you. Stay tuned. 
If you have any suggestions for a future episode or just want to say hi, you can write to me at uh, violinclasspod at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in and I will catch you in the next one. Mm-hmm.